Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Or put very simply, save me. This is what most of our prayers sound like. And this morning we're giving our attention to Psalm 71 because like the other Psalms, they teach us how to pray. They comfort us when we don't know how to pray or we think that we're doing it incorrectly. Gives us permission, especially when we find the verses of prayers prayed by an ancient people that are hard to hear or utter. The Psalms provide us with a prayer book and it's relevant to us today. God, save me. We want God to care for us. At its most basic level, we want God to provide for us, to protect us, to guard us from a world that is working hard to leave a mark on us. So when we pray, we're praying for God to help. But help us do what? Save us from what? Well, namely, anxiety, right? Anxiety that steals our sleep, that steals our appetites, that fuels our neurotic reactions. We want help when we know nothing but the sting of rejection or the gnawing discouragement when things don't work out the way we wish. We pray for help when we experience loss and grief. Today has been set aside in the life of the church to acknowledge the grief that we feel at the loss by death of those that we love. We have other griefs as well. And so All Saints Day also provides a way for us to lift up and to acknowledge the other things that we grieve also. Because in truth, they overwhelm us. You don't have to look very far. On your newsfeed or online or in conversations with your friends, your coworkers at school or in work to know that we are experiencing a mental health crisis. In fact, the flagship university here in North Carolina set aside a day to acknowledge the difficulties and challenges the students and the student body were having because of the rash of suicides, the extraordinary amount of grief and the hardship and the heaviness that people are experiencing and Our own families, our own community are not immune to this either. We reorient our our own patterns, our own schedules to help accommodate those who are suffering, those who are grieving. So today also becomes a moment for us to pause and to acknowledge that we are hurting, that we are grieving Losses, both real 
and anticipated that I believe are more than just mental health. It's also our spiritual health that this affects and shapes. Dear God, get us out of this mess that we are experiencing. We're dying here. This is the core of the prayer of the psalm that we just wrote, that we just read. It's the message of the scripture today. It gives us language when we can't find language ourselves to acknowledge the kind of pain and lament that we're experiencing. Now, of course, the psalmist puts it much more eloquently than I could. They pray, in your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. I like how one commentator puts it. Be a guest room where I can retreat. God, be a guest room that I can retreat. You know, the world that we encounter when we look at the notifications on our devices each morning or venture outside our homes or report to work or stand in front of a classroom, it can all feel like assault, like a battlefield. We want refuge and we cry out to God for help because we feel vulnerable. I came to learn about weighted blankets several years ago. But it's something that, in truth, I knew as a child. My grandmother, when she would visit our home in Atlanta, she would laugh at how I would pile so many blankets on my childhood bed. She wondered how I could breathe, let alone turn over. It wasn't because I was cold. I think intuitively I welcomed the the sensation of being surrounded and held, I think at a time where I felt particularly vulnerable. I know I'm not alone in, in desiring this kind of refuge or sensation. You can go online today and, and purchase any number of weighted blankets measured literally by the weight of, of how they have created these blankets to feel heavy. And why? Because it physically provides us with what they call deep pressure sensation. It truly surrounds us and comforts us and is frequently prescribed by caregivers to those who suffer from ADHD, depression, even autism. Something as simple as a weighted blanket, as it turns out, can help calm our restlessness, help us to feel surrounded and less anxious, and truly help us to sleep better. This prayer, this prayer for God to provide a refuge and strength is prayed with the hope that our souls might feel like what it feels like when we are surrounded and embraced, whether it be a weighted blanket or God's very presence. The ancient prayer that we're looking at this morning, Psalm 71, it draws attention to our vulnerabilities. And if you look closely, 
whether now or later on today, you'll see specifically how the psalmist, that is the person that wrote and prayed this prayer, how they felt, how they they felt like they were being pursued by their enemies. And I bet it can resonate with you too. That they describe their enemies as, as those who are wicked, who plot evil and harm. Enemies who accuse falsely and those who delight when things go wrong for us. So of course, we want to build a fort in our living room like we did when we were a kid. We had a round table in our house and I would find all the blankets that I could probably from my bed. And I'd put it over the table so that it, it formed this encapsulated, private, hidden room. I bet you did the same thing. I bet something heavy on top so it wouldn't slide off. Then I would put um, another chair, a stool, in front of it. And it created a kind of hidden entranceway. And when I got inside, it cushioned all the sound outside. I, could, I couldn't hear my mom or dad calling for me to come and do chores it truly was a retreat. I had a lamp in there. I read. I had, I had pillows. I drank too much Kool-Aid and ate up all the Fig Newtons. It was lovely. And I would frequently fall asleep there, safe and sound. So, of course, in the world that we experience, in the day-to-day realities that we face trying to teach and lead and execute and coach we feel under assault and that's what we want God to provide for us that sense of safety that kind of refuge now there's there's one other enemy out there that wants to make quick work of us old age you heard the psalmist the writer of this prayer lift that up There is something else that conspires to steal our strength and to make us feel vulnerable, and it's our senior adulthood. There was a woman whose dentist retired. So seated there in an office that she was not familiar with, ready to see a new dentist, she was struck when she was looking at the certificates and diplomas on the wall when she saw the full name of her new dentist. It was the same name of a boy that she used to have a crush on when she was in high school. Goodness gracious, she thought, have I really made an appointment with my old crush? The dentist came in, began the examination all the time, This woman was eyeing him very carefully. So at the conclusion of their time together, she said, did you go to McCormick High School? I said, yes, I did. And she said, class of 1959. (laughs) He said, yes, how did you know? And she said, you were in one of my classes. And he said, really? Which class did you teach? We battle more than just enemies. And the psalmist in this prayer acknowledges that. They write, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Don't forsake me when my strength is spent. In our older age, 
we may very well feel alone and cut off and abandoned. The losses that have accumulated in the years that we have lived weigh heavy on us. And we are keenly aware of of the long periods where we don't encounter others or, or have conversations. It's interesting, in Europe several years ago, acknowledging that many senior adults feel very lonely, they created a special line at a grocery store that was intended to be slow. They arranged a line at the grocery store where the person checking out individuals would linger and chit-chat, ask questions, and take their time. And not surprisingly, this line was populated by older adults, eager and aching to have someone ask them about their cat and about their grandchildren that they hadn't seen in some time, or to hear about the gutter that was clogged up or to hear about birthdays that they were celebrating even though those loved ones had died. In our old age, as the psalmist identifies, our bodies increasingly hurt. We ache. All with the knowledge that in truth, our bodies will in fact fail us. They write, even to old age, the psalmist states, even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me. Don't desert us as we grow older, God. Don't let the reward for our long lives be additional pain and suffering. So we cry out to God to help us. And in fact, I think that's all I do. My prayers are all a lament for God to intervene and to help. Like one who who can't think of anything but the aching toothache. I can be so hyper-focused, obsessed on my own pain and discomfort that I'm unable to see or hear anybody else's issues or problems. So my prayers, if I'm really honest with you, are just a litany of woe. But the one who prays Psalm 71 takes an interesting tack to their concerns. Instead of populating his prayer with wall-to-wall pleading and petitioning and begging, the prayer wraps the lament in a very interesting jelly roll. Instead of it just being about grief and concern, instead... It opens with a profession of faith and ends and is surrounded by vows of praise. Literally, and this is instructive to us, the prayer of concern, the lament, the woe is surrounded by faith and praise. Here are several of the professions of faith you may have picked up on as we listen to this psalm. They are statements of truth. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. In other words, I trust you, God. Or second, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. I've bet the farm on you, God. 
And likewise, the vows of praise on the other side of the lament, they express gratitude. I praise you regardless of what I'm dealing with and going through, the psalmist writes in praise. I'm not giving up on you, God. I'll celebrate you every chance I get. God, you are all-powerful. You can do anything. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. Psalm 71 becomes instructive to us because it helps us to identify that the best way we can pray our laments and our concerns is to surround them with professions of faith and vows of praise. And you'll probably notice as you look at your order of worship that that's how we arrange worship as well. It's not all ashes and sackcloth. We open with vows of praise, of celebrating what God has done. We end our service with professions of faith, acknowledging what we believe and what makes us strong. And y'all, the reason why the psalmist, just as we are invited to, to state these things that we believe and to be reminiscent of all that God has done is because we are called to be a people of remembrance. On the communion table in front of us, it, it directs us from Jesus' own words, do this in remembrance of me. We remember God's work in our past so that it can give us strength in the moment and hope for our future. Remembrance is the cornerstone of our faith. Listen for the way the prayer highlights testimonies and recollection of God's good work in the past. They state, I've learned from my birth. It was you, God, who took me from my mother's womb. Oh, God, from my youth you've taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. In other words, you've been with me from the very beginning you were there when I skinned my knee, when I got stung by a bee, when I got pimples right before the senior prom, when I felt left for dead in college, when I had all those troubles in my 20s when we miscarried, when I lost my job, when our parents died. Each of these moments, we acknowledge God was with us. Because, y'all, this is where we get our strength. We get our strength from acknowledging what God has done in our past and been faithful and seeing us through these moments of giving us a refuge and a strength. When you didn't get into the college you wanted to go to, and about how God still provided you a place of joy and purpose and promise. Or when your dog died suddenly and you grieved deeper than you'd ever grieved before. And how God was still present in that time of mourning. Or when you were betrayed by your friend or a spouse and yet you experience God walking with you in the midst of it. Or when your son died and you couldn't find breath to breathe. 
Yet God surrounded you with a community of faith. When that accident left you with chronic pain, and yet God gave you the wherewithal to continue in your rehabilitation. These statements of faith that we find here in this prayer, they give us perspective. They help us to claim how the moment that we're living is not lived in isolation, but is part of a greater story that the heroes of the faith, the saints surrounding us like a cloud, testify to. We've been here before. And just as God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. The psalmist prays, you have who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. Literally, we've been through hell, and yet God has provided us a way through it. Two observations. You've heard me see many troubles and calamities. You who have done this will revive me again. That God provides redemption and revival in the midst of these hardships. And also this beautiful image of being lifted up from the depths. Almost like our baptism. Our participation with a Christ who knows sorrow. Who knows betrayal who knows what it feels like to be abandoned and to have his life end. We participate with the same gracious God who will revive us and lift us up to newness of life. There is a moment truly in this prayer where the function of those praying it are shaking their fist at God and saying, God, I'm reminding you this is what you do. You save, you provide refuge and strength, and I know you're not going to let me down now. But the goal is not just refuge. The ultimate hope is revival. God does not just provide us a weighted blanket to make us feel better. God provides us a fort, a refuge, a base camp that we can retreat to so that we might be revived to go back out again. Y'all, it's true. It may feel at times like our grief will overwhelm us. But the prayer of the faithful should seek to overwhelm our sorrows with professions of faith and vows of praise. I would wager that the very reason we are here, if we're really truthful at its core, is more than the fact that we have done this all our lives or that our parents or grandparents expect us to do this. I genuinely believe at our very best we are here to experience retreat, something different, a space that, that celebrates the thin quality of our, of our moment together, and that by drawing together in retreat, we will be given that which nothing else in our world can give us, energy, strength, redemption, grace, forgiveness, the ability and the power to put one foot in front of the other out of this place and to a world where we can reflect God's light 
to a people in a place of darkness. A trauma specialist has acknowledged that when people are suffering and hurting in that moment, many of us don't know what to say or do. But that what is most required in those moments is that those, those individuals who are hurting, they need refuge. They need a safe space to be heard, to be listened to, to be accepted, to be embraced, to grieve. A trauma survivor themselves, they were trying to get out of the way of Hurricane Katrina. The water had come up and they were trying desperately to leave their home as the waters rose as the rain came down in sheets, as the wind whipped trees and signs down, they were trying desperately to flee. But in the darkness and in the storm, something caught their eye on the side of the road. It was, it was an individual. Someone they, of course, didn't know for they were driving north trying to escape the storm. But there was someone out in the storm on the side of the road. They had a homemade sign. And on it, as they held it up, it said simply two words. Stop here. Stop here. There's refuge here. There's a safe place here. And you are welcome here. When we are in trouble, God puts out a sign in Christ Jesus that says, stop here. And you know what, First Baptist Church? We probably should too. Let us pray. God, we are grateful that you enable us to stop here on our pew, surrounded by people who know us and love us, in a, in a Sunday school classroom where we share our lives and our hurts and our griefs and our hopes. Thank you, God, for putting up a sign that we've been able to, to see and to pull off a trail and a road that has been so hard, an invitation to stop here to receive an experience, retreat, so that we can be revived again. We pray, God, that you might give us what we need to be like you, to be a shelter for those who hurt and a source of energy and strength going forward. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.